Welcome to the Honest TV podcast. We are the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches. And joining me as always is Allied Health business owner, Andrew. Andrew, how are you today? I'm well. How are you? Very well. It is a wonderful Monday afternoon and we have beers. And the beers have been brought by Joe Duncanage. Should Thank I say you. it like that? No. Okay. How do you prefer I say I panic every time I get to just your last Joe's name. Just Joe's good. Just Joe. All right. Just Joe. Joe, Joe the EP from Rebound is back for episode two. I was worried because I thought we did a third one for a bit. I think I just talked a lot about it and then didn't actually do anything. So this is only the second time this I've been only on. the second time. Okay. Well, the first time you brought on a beer called Pacifico. I remember that. And wow. it was our first beer out of a bottle. And today, you've suggested another beer that we have out of a bottle. So, Joe, what do we have? We are having White Rabbit Dark Ale. I quite like dark ale, but I don't know other people's feelings on it. Andrew? I think the only dark ale that I've really had is the White Rabbit Dark Ale. Oh, right. And I'm a big fan. Well, you can tell me what it's like then. <laughs> so, I've actually I'll never had it. All about it. You're a big fan. I am a big fan. Wow. Do you want to open it? I go? should probably taste it. Probably. So that I can talk about what I'm tasting. Let's let's do that. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Just click it open in front of the mic. Okay. I Set. didn't quite. Ooh, that sounds nice. <laughs> That's good. All right, well, we'll yeah, you can pass it around. And yeah, we'll, I we'll don't do our own ones. think I'm a pro and, at that. And you, you, you can have a sip, Joe, while we open ours. Okay. And a smell and a sip? <laughs> you can smell it if you want. I can smell now, so I will. Hey, <laughs> COVID is finished. Yes, wonderful. So I just oh, remember. What a choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. good. It doesn't taste like a dark beer, does it? What does it taste like? Um, like if I couldn't tell that this was a dark beer right now, it could be a lager. Oh, I thought it tasted like a hot chocolate or something. No, no, no. It, it just <laughs> tastes like a. A smooth beer. It's mm. beautiful. I remember I used to pour these at the golf club I worked at and they were the worst tap we had because I don't know if it was because it was a dark beer and it kind of acted like Guinness where you pour it and it just foams and froths and you have to sit there and wait for it to... But it's an art form, Archie. Yeah. Pouring oh. a Guinness properly. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. takes time. <laughs> and you just have to stand... I went to an Irish pub and I had to stand there and wait for like two minutes for them to pour me one beer. I was like... Patience is a virtue, Archie. It's just a shit beer. (laughs) (laughs) I want a beer now. Uh, It's hard work waiting for it. So when you finally get it... I'm sad. (laughs) I'm sad. No, no, it's worth it. This is good. This is very Mm. good. Andrew, what do you think? I'm a huge fan. Mm. Huge fan. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like a... doesn't taste like a very rich, dark ale. You could have a few of these. Yes. And... I plan to. Not, <laughs> not feel bloated and gross. Well, that's, I think, why I like dark beer. That's what I've realised is because it's not bubbly. Ah. Because the bubbly makes me feel unwell. Right. Okay. You're not normally a beer person. Never. But yep. a dark beer. But a dark do. beer. Which is interesting because I feel like dark beer is almost the beeriest tasting beer to But some I also people. pretty much only drink really like dark red wines, like heavy red wines. Mm. So mm. there's a bit of a theme. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Well, Joe, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, very on topic, having honest or difficult conversations with clients and how to manage 
difficult or challenging client behaviour. Interesting. So do you want to give us a little overview of some of the main headings we'll, we'll dive into and then Andrew will pick one and it will start with a question. Okay, so we are going to talk about different reasons that a client might exhibit behaviours that are challenging, what might be trying to be communicated by clients when they're exhibiting these behaviours, how to remain calm and how to manage <laughs> your own <laughs> behaviour mm. when things are getting tough, um, and also managing inappropriate behaviour. If mm. we have time, we might talk about self-care as mm. well. Yeah. Mm. If we have time, we'll see. I think a great place to start would be actually getting some clarity, I suppose, on what, what are challenging behaviours? Like, What are we actually seeing in the clients or the patients that we're working with? So something that I see um, relatively often during the clinic with private clients um, would be non-adherence to treatment programs or treatment plans that you've come up together mm. that can be hard to workshop and a tough conversation particularly if you're new as an EP because it can be hard to kind of confront uh, like the elephant in the room you could say um, other difficult client behaviors might be behaviors that clients are exhibiting because of a health condition or a diagnosis such as autism uh, might be like a stimming behaviour or a self-regulatory behaviour that you haven't seen before or that might be a little bit aggressive. Hmm. Um, those are the main things. What about you, Archie? Yeah, similar. Um, definitely some of the, the stimming um, behaviours from like our autistic clients. But then I think some of the most difficult uh, behaviours I feel like I have to manage sometimes... Uh, just your, your everyday people, uh, everyday person who comes in, at, but they just have some very strong views on a certain topic that maybe in a group class or in a gym setting aren't super appropriate to talk about. Um, some of the main ones I try and avoid uh, getting too deep into conversations with with people from different demographics is religion and politics and um, some of like the, the political correctness or the, the different things we've had recently um, around using gender pronouns and that sort of thing. And you get some clients who don't care about what other people think, but have a very strong view. Um, and, you know, a classic one is we'll st start a group class and you'll have a, a someone go, all right, what pronouns are everyone using today? And you go, oh, fuck. It's <laughs> like, can you not, can you yeah. not do that? You yeah. know, can you not say that? Um, it's just inappropriate, you know? Another thing that I think of is commenting on people's bodies mm. is a big one. Mm. That maybe I didn't expect starting private practice, but just, yeah, when people comment on others' appearances or mm. sometimes in a negative way and you think, oh, wow, like, mm. I can't believe you just said that out loud. Mm. <laughs> how mm. do I, should I address this and how do I do it? Mm. It can mm. be really tough. Then sometimes in a, well, not, not a positive way, but in a uh, supposed to be complimentary way, but comes across in like a, oh, don't talk like that. Mm. You know, that's inappropriate to um, kind of, you know, talk about someone's appearance um, if they're in a group class with you or if they're your health professional. <laughs> mm. Not appropriate. Mm. I imagine, well, I imagine that some 
of the audience that listen to this podcast are fairly new or recent graduates. Um, how, do, how do they know? How do people know what is an appropriate versus an inappropriate behaviour? Have you ever had something said to you and you've had a strong emotional feeling about it? Mm. I think that's often a way to identify if something's making you uncomfortable. Um, as well as cognitively, we know that some things are appropriate to say and not appropriate to say based on... Like our way of viewing the world might be different based on our, um, our age and our upbringing and that sort of thing. But generally things that trigger that emotional response and make you uncomfortable or unsettled or mm. you can see visually that it's making somebody else uncomfortable, mm. those are things that kind of flag in my mind. Mm. How do you feel if someone says something and you go, whoa? Mm. Yeah, because I imagine it could be easy for some of the some of these challenging behaviours that we're talking about for people to almost like kind of rationalise it and not discuss it or not bring it up and just sort of go, oh, that's just them. You know, they're a bit set in their ways or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring this up because I don't want to make it something more than it is. But I think you've articulated that really well where it's like if you have a response to something, then that kind of sets the precedent, well, it's not okay, but what do you do about it? It's a super hard situation because you can make the choice to just accept it and go, oh, I won't, I won't challenge this and I won't directly comment about it or uh, call them up on it uh, and therefore just kind of ignore and allow it to, to happen. Um, or you can go, mm, no, the right thing to do is to um, bring this up with them uh, and then potentially... Uh, not damage, but like, you know, see how strong your relationship is with this person for them to respect what you're asking them and talking to them about. Mm. Actually, a question that I have for both of you is if something does make us uncomfortable, do you think it's important for practitioners to say something? Yes. Sorry, I was nodding, but uh, <laughs> that's not very helpful at a podcast. Uh, yes. I don't think it's... Uh, always a bad idea um, especially if you're unsure at the start if you are unsure what's just happened and you didn't bring it up in the, at the moment um, but then you go and talk to one of your team members you go talk to your mentor or someone and go hey this just happened was I right to feel this or is it right for me to bring this up with them and then get some reassurance like yeah no totally that wasn't appropriate and you go okay cool I'll look out for that because sometimes it does take a little bit of a a radar to work out, wait, what is okay and what is not okay? Um, and am I um, being overly sensitive to a random topic that is just in my bias or is this something that is generally inappropriate? Um, mm. Like if someone, you know, insulted uh, the Houston Rockets in front of me, I'd, I'd take that very emotionally <laughs> because they're my basketball team. But that's probably just my bias and I don't think I should call them out on that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess there's levels to it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I agree 100% with that. I think, you know, answer your question. Yes, you should absolutely feel like you uh, can discuss these difficult things with people. There might be a filtering process of going, just like Archie said, um, I might need to investigate why I felt the way that I felt in that situation 
and I might do that externally by chatting to a mentor or a colleague or someone that I can bounce these things off and then go back to that person a little bit later on. Um, I think that's, particularly if this is something new to you, probably a good way to do it so that you can actually check your biases in that situation and go mm -hmm. like, hang on a minute, is the response based on just my own personal feelings about a particular situation or is this actually not the type of environment that we want to create for other team members or, or other clients? And, and like you said, it doesn't mean you have to do it in the moment. You might come back to that later on and say, actually, when you said this thing, that was a bit inappropriate. Yeah, I almost think it shows respect to the person if you are willing to take the time to discuss it with them. Maybe not going in with the intention of changing who they are as mm. a person, mm. but maybe they were just not aware and most people don't actually want to make you uncomfortable. I've okay. realised through some mm. of these experiences, they just aren't aware. And then there are others who you'll never change them and they might never get it. And they might just not get it from you and that's okay. So sometimes there are different answers to that and you can cut your losses and move on. But mm. yeah. So I guess it, with the, um, the kind of inappropriate uh, behavior or conversation we're talking about now, um, it'll be useful to give some people some, not scripts so much as um, helpful ways to approach actually having this conversation. Because I feel like this is where a lot of people get stuck. So here's something where they go, oh, that's not okay to talk about. But they get stuck going, how do I say this is not appropriate to talk about in the gym here without going, oi, don't say that. Um, and, you know, for lack of a better word, scolding someone for just saying something. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, Joe, do you have some suggestions of how people can actually approach these situations in a constructive way? So I think first you need to do it when you're not emotional about the situation mm. or when you've had the time or experience to check yourself and make sure that you're not coming in with that red hot <laughs> emotional <laughs> whether it's aggressiveness or whether it's being upset because that often just fires up the other person and also you, it's hard for you to communicate when you're upset or mm. really irritated about something mm. so i think if you're able to do it at the time and step back and remain calm, that's great, but that probably comes with experience. So if not discussing it with your colleagues later and then coming back even the next session, I think is totally acceptable because mm. then you can actually create that space for an open and mm. honest discussion. Mm. I like to ask permission mm. because you're going to find out pretty quickly whether it's even going to be worth your time to have that talk with them by asking permission. So you can say something like, hey, I'll just say, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy. Sandy. Because I don't know Sandy anyone do named Sandy. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> hey, Sandy. I was just thinking about what you said in the gym the other day in regards to X. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more about that mm. now. That's not offensive, mm. but it's direct enough to go, Sandy, I want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm pretty direct, yeah. so it's actually yeah. difficult to make it sound nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> what I yeah. want to go is, that wasn't okay, what you said back there. Yeah. But you can't do that to people. No. That's probably not how I would want to be spoken to. Yeah. Especially by someone who maybe is in that position of slight power or mm. who you don't know very well. Mm. I guess, Joe, you definitely fall more on the comfort with direct conversations 
than a lot of other people perhaps are. Where do you think you fall on that scale? Also on that scale. Also on that side. I don't. Where Andrew? Where do you fall on this? I scale? would. I would definitely fall further away from that side of thing. So maybe this Just would be harder. naturally. Yeah. Harder. Mm. Um, so it would probably take more pre-planning for mm. me, and I would probably, well, when I've had to do this, I've I've written down what I wanted to say to that nice. person so that it was, I wasn't going to get the words all jumbled or I wasn't going to let my, the way that I'm feeling sort of come out in that conversation. I'd, I'd kind of rehearsed it a yeah. little bit. What are some ways that you phrase that entryway into the conversation? I, th- I think very similarly to what you've said there, like, um, you know, would it be okay if we had a conversation about what, what happened last time or something like that? Um, I would do it more one-to-one than, you know, trying mm. to pull somebody into a group session. Or mm. if I notice something happen in a group, I would probably wait until that person is in a more one-to-one situation. For sure. Um, to deliver that. Mm. Um, and, yeah, like you said, you know, just check my emotions on it because I feel like maybe that's a reflection of where I sit on this on this little spectrum, but I could feel my emotions coming up mm. pretty quickly and the conversation turn a little bit not so useful um, if I let those emotions kind of wrap a hold of the conversation. So yeah. step one is make sure you're in a calm state before you approach the conversation. If that requires you to pause or reset your nervous system somehow or come back another day, good way to do it. Second step is come in with a plan if that's something you feel like you need to do and then ask permission to actually have the conversation in a polite mm. way. Cool. First two steps. Yeah. Where to from here? I think checking with them what they meant is kind of a nice way to do it. Yes. Because sometimes people say things and then it's not really what they mm. meant, but it's how we interpreted it. Mm. So, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, I, I heard you say this the other day. I just wanted to check what you meant by that. Perfect. Yeah. Joe, I think that's a perfect example of what I would call seeking to understand first. So before you challenge anyone or uh, provide feedback, it should be seek to understand what they meant and let them clarify first. Because maybe they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, that was an offhand joke. I was having a really bad day. I don't actually um, normally talk like that. I apologize. And you go, oh. I didn't need to do anything. Um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can relax and everything goes back to normal. Um, but if you don't actually seek to understand, then you may actually, you know, go down a, a rabbit hole. Ooh, rabbit hole. Ooh, um, a white rabbit hole. A white rabbit mm. hole uh, that you don't need to. And then you're going to be on completely different pages with the person you have a discussion with. Mm. So, yeah, I like the idea of step three definitely being seeking to understand. Yeah, I really try and avoid using the word why Mm. in general across all of my practice even why didn't you do your exercises yeah Mm. yeah because why didn't you do your exercises sounds very different to what got in the way of you doing your exercises Mm. even in my tone i'm not trying to change it and i think it sounds different Mm. Mm. i think why is very filled with blame yes and people hear that even if that's not what you mean Mm. i think i may actually have said this on our last podcast with ryan because that was in a book I was reading as well, that the word why immediately challenges the other person and puts them on the back foot. And that's not where you want them at all. No. You want to provide them space. Yeah. So, yes. Oh, cool. 
Don't use why. <laughs> Great. Good start. Cool. Okay. Uh, so that's first three steps. Um, ideally, they just, you know, uh, resolve, the problem resolves there. They self-resolve. They, self- <laughs> they <laughs> reflect. Self-resolve, they reflect and they go, you know what, Joe, you were right this whole time. <laughs> I will now preach everything you say and I will do my exercises and you have a great day and you high five and and that's that's the that's the day and they're cured yeah and they're cured just no like that diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> but on the off occasion that their blood sugar is not lowered <laughs> where, what where where do we go from here so you do have to hear them and you have to actually look at them and pay attention and show them that you're listening so that they are aware that you're taking them seriously and you're ready to have that conversation. It really depends on what they say next because if they say, if they show no sign of being able to reflect on why that behaviour in particular was inappropriate, um, then you've got to start digging a little bit Mm. deeper if you want to bring that to their attention. Mm. So... Let's say, should we come up with a case, a case, a scenario? Sure. What has Sandy done? <laughs> Sandy uh, commented on someone else in the gym's weight. Yeah. In an inappropriate way. Yeah. That's what she did. <laughs> <laughs> with the head. With the head. Sass. Click. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Sandy's said, yeah, because they're really overweight and it means that it's not working Mm. probably my default is to go into the more direct addressing that um and i don't know if this is the right thing to do there are probably different ways of approaching it but one of the things that i would probably try is something like sandy in this setting we don't try and comment on people's weight because it's not a reflection of their work or mm. their worth mm. as a person. That's amazing. Sounds like, like pretty heavy though. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound heavy. Yeah. But I think it gets the point across. It's like, well, I think what, you, what you've actually, what we've created um, here is some gym talk tips. And I think the, there's like some do's and don'ts of how to uh, comment and talk about or compliment other people in the gym. Uh, on how they're doing, that sort of thing. And what we say in terms of that stuff is like, you don't comment on someone's appearance, you comment on their performance, perhaps. Um, so you might be able to go about it that way with this person. Yeah. That's like, you know, we don't normally comment on people's appearance in here. We uh, we try and compliment them on, on how they're going or on their performance. Yeah, we want this mm. to be a really encouraging space for people mm. and we find that focusing on their weight is detrimental to that so mm. we just try and steer clear mm. yeah lovely what I do you reckon fine. Andrew mm. yeah what happens next <laughs> what happens when Sandy pushes back yeah, I reckon Sandy gets a little defensive, mm. which is understandable. Mm. Just basically told them that I really didn't like what they did there. Mm. Um, I think the natural reaction is to get a bit defensive. They might try and then explain what they meant further, mm. which I think can actually be really helpful. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from, 
it's like I can really see now that you weren't trying to offend them. Do you think in the future, though, we could try and avoid commenting on other people and just focus on ourselves a little bit more? Because mm. you're the most important person to me in this console right mm. now. So I want to make sure that we're working towards your goals. Mm. I'd redirect back onto them. Mm. Mm. I'd love for us to focus more on what we're doing at the moment. Really, really tuned into that. There is also this point where they push back um, and continue to push back. And then you have to just know that when it's time to, to exit um, the conversation uh, because you may not get a, a resolution to it and that's okay. And if you feel like it's really signed to go down a hole and it's just going to become argumentative and if you can feel that you are no longer in a calm state or they are no longer in a calm state, then it is not worth having this conversation at all. As soon as either party has elevated heart rate and is going a little bit, exit, I think. Because yeah, absolutely. That's really important. Yeah. Now there's too much emotion involved and you're not having a like an actual constructive conversation. Mm. Yeah. And then it's okay. Okay. Look, happy to leave it there. Why don't we start talking about something else? And I'm sure both parties will be happy to. Yeah, let's park this for now. Yeah, let's park this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. Well, why don't we park that conversation for now <laughs> and move on. Yeah, I know. Very nice. Okay. Awesome. Very good. Quick beer check-in. Mine's going down very fast, but I think that's because... Oh, shit. I to take that back. Andrew's is almost <laughs> empty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that means Andrew needs to be doing more talking. Well, one, one thing I think Joe does incredibly well is setting boundaries with clients. I think you do that very, very well. Um, and you touched on before around when clients are not adhering to the, the intervention that we are giving to them. Perhaps we yeah. just start with a more general conversation about what is appropriate and what's not appropriate from a boundaries perspective between a clinician and a client? Yeah. So there's the clinician-client relationship. And then I also think there's your own relationship that you have with your work and what you do with that when you leave. Mm. And so I think there's like your self-boundaries and then there's boundaries that you try and set up with other people. Mm. And so if we're talking about the client and the practitioner, I think there's always a slight power dynamic, even if in allied health, it can not appear that way. But ultimately, someone is coming to you for a service that they're paying for. You are the expert in that field and therefore you are not on an even playing field. So I think you have to respect that because you're, I don't think that my clients are my friends and it doesn't mean that I can't treat them in a friendly manner or with respect and have a fun time, but I think then really needs to be that clear. I am the health authority in this situation and I can't cross that line with you because then I think it gives people permission to, to maybe be a little bit more inappropriate. Hmm. What do you think, Archie? I think it's... There's, I think there's definitely levels to this. So I'm someone who um, I, I message clients on my own phone 
because I feel like I can check in with them more regularly that way. Um, I feel like it brings the dynamic closer to the middle, which is what I want. I don't want there to be as much of a gap of me, authority and them listening to me. So I feel like text message allows us to be uh, closer to that conversational level, casual level with them, uh, with, with the appropriate clients. Some clients are not appropriate for that. Um, so with those clients who are appropriate for it, I think it really helps. Sometimes you do get uh, people who mm, not take advantage of that, but take some liberties with, uh, oh, Archie uh, responds to my text messages when I send text messages. So then it's about setting boundaries about when you respond to text messages. Mm. So um, on a general basis, I try not to reply outside of work hours or on weekends. Yeah. If I've just gotten in the car to go home and I get a message, sure, I'll have a look. And if it feels like it's important, then I'll respond to it. So I might look at it, but not respond to it um, if I feel like I need to know. Um, but on the weekends, generally things can wait. Yes. You yeah. know, like I'm, I'm not their doctor. Um, if they've got something serious going on, look, they can probably get some help. If they say, Archie, I'm dying, um, I might respond. <laughs> um, you might get Just me. to go, here is who can help. <laughs> yeah. If you're dying, I can't yeah. help. Uh, that, I didn't have an exercise for that one, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's uh, a bit outside of my scope. Yeah, a bit outside of my scope. But yes, to try and create that separation, um, I do not respond outside of work hours. Um, that requires some self... Some self-regulation. Self-regulation. That's the word I'm looking for. I don't feel like I get dragged back into my work head by seeing text messages. I know uh, that a lot of people do. And so I would not recommend that to people who feel like they struggle to turn off their work brain, even just with normal work so things. that's why I don't do that. Yeah, mm. totally. Yeah, because there's no way that I could look at that message and then not think about it for the entire weekend. Mm. Mm. So I need to, for my own health, set up some really strong boundaries. I need to be very direct with myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's great. Do you communicate those boundaries to clients i would never suggest giving them my number so i mm -hmm. don't make that an option if they say how do i contact you i say you can email me mm -hmm. and i email frequently that's probably my main form of contact mm -hmm. after asking them which method they prefer best if it's text message i can text them from the clinic line and i just say this is our clinic number Mm. And that's why I get some spicy texts on the <laughs> clinic number <laughs> that everybody gets mm. to see. <laughs> mm. yeah. But yeah, if that was going to my home phone, I'd feel so uncomfortable. But because it's going to the work line, I can manage that. It doesn't bother me. Mm. Yeah. 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 I feel like the vast majority of people don't expect an answer outside of work hours, um, even, uh, even if you don't say it. Mm. Like if you see someone on a, on a Friday... Uh, and they send you a message on a Saturday. I feel like most people who message a health professional on a Saturday will half go, oh, they, they might not see us until Monday, but that's okay. I mean, that should be a general assumption for yeah. most people. So I guess in terms of self-managing, self-regulating, knowing what your own uh, tolerances are for having work brain turned on is, is very, very important. Absolutely. Mm. How 
Um, I guess another situation that comes up, Andrew, you probably had this situation come up over the years as well with clients who try and uh, push a friendship Mm. um, by inviting you to other activities Mm. or inviting you, hey, we should go for coffee one time or hey, you should come to my house. I'm having a birthday party. Um, Or if they're a younger client and uh, maybe with a disability. I know we've had (laughs) um, Mm. practitioners invited to birthday parties before (laughs) Mm. and managing that. Obviously, you probably should not go to a client's birthday party if you are their health professional. Um, In my opinion, I don't think you should. Uh, Andrew, have you had to to manage any of these situations over the past? And how was the birthday party? (laughs) I I definitely went to the birthday party. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, this one, I feel a little bit torn on, Mm. um, and, and perhaps that's the, the perspective of being the practitioner and the business owner at the same time Mm. where I, I feel like my, I, I could read those text messages and for the one minute be the practitioner, but the next minute switch off and not be that, that practitioner anymore. I find that fairly easy to do. Um, and part of, part of, I suppose, my journey with this has been around seeing clients for quite prolonged periods of time where, um, yeah, I, I, I did become friendly with them. Um, there, there was still a transaction that was taking place that they were still coming and they were still, um, you know, when they came to the clinic, they were my client. Um, but going and having a coffee, going and mm. um, going to the birthday party or, or whatever, mm. um, it, it didn't feel weird. Mm. It didn't feel like I was crossing a boundary mm. when I was doing that because when I felt like I was there, I was there as a friend, not as mm. a practitioner. Mm. Um, what you are talking about before, Joe, about like knowing that kind of feeling when you've crossed the line, mm. didn't get that feeling. Yeah. Um, it was natural to be there, that there wasn't a, a weirdness associated with I that. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, there are definitely instances where it did cross lines, right? Um, I am the same, Archie, like, people would message me and I would Mm. message people from my own phone. Mm. Um, And there were times when that was not used appropriately. Mm. Um, But I don't think I'd do it differently knowing that now. Mm. I would still do it the same way. Um, Just because I find it... I find I know where the line is. and There's no way to like document exactly what that is. I, I know where the line is and if it gets inappropriate, like that's it. Like mm. there's, there's a full stop there. Mm. Um, yeah, does that kind of answer? It does. Because I'm the same. Uh, like I'm happy to take messages. I like being accessible. I think it adds to the client experience that I can add. Where I've found it difficult is having the conversation when it does become when it does cross the line mm. and going, oh, how do I backpedal from here? Because um, it's 
you know, it's been so useful and and such a good open line of communication. Um, and now they've just invited me to, you know, come to their place and, mm. you know, hang out. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't want to do that with them. Mm. Um, how do I, <laughs> I guess the question is then, how do you then once uh, pull back from that really difficult situation that you, you put yourself in where it's mm. like, I'm being really friendly um, and I feel like uh, a friend over messages uh, and that seems to feel okay at this point, but then they've asked me to do something that friends would do and now I go, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I think perhaps part of, part of the answer to that is knowing who you're communicating to, right? Yeah. Despite what I just said, that was a very generalized sure. comment and yeah. there were definitely some clients where I was like, I'm not even going anywhere near that line yeah. Yeah. because I know that it could be used inappropriately mm. or excessively Yeah. Um, if I allowed them that kind of liberty mm. of me being contactable mm. at any time. Absolutely. Whereas the other ones who, um, uh, you know, you didn't feel like they were going to mm. sort of abuse what communication channels we had together. Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't going to go that that way. Yeah. You'd think it wouldn't yeah. go that way. I've definitely made mistakes. Um, and then my exit strategy from uh, turning down the the invite or something, I've had mm, varying levels of success with. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's an example? Uh, what's an example? De-identified. De-identified. Um, someone said, oh we should catch up for a coffee and talk about this topic that we love talking about all the time. Uh, and me going, I really don't want to catch up uh, for coffee. Um, that conversation, um, I wasn't actually seeing that client anymore. Um, they still had my number, so they messaged me. Uh, and I just didn't answer that one because I was like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad example, <laughs> bad, bad way of doing it. Mm. Um, other ones, I've had emails like, hey, can you... Um, come over and move this table for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically do this handiwork for me because, you know... Uh, You're young and fit. I'm young and fit. <laughs> um, and that one, I made a very nice response and said, look, it's actually inappropriate for me to come and uh, do these other tasks for you. I know some people or I know some ways that you can get help doing this, such as hire Rabi. Um, and that sort of thing, if you need help with that sort mm. of stuff, let me know if you need any help organising that. Mm. I can send you in the right direction. And I think that the helpful fine. approach is good. Helpful mm. approach. That's not yeah. me. I can't do that. But mm. look, mm. and then it's less awkward. Way less awkward um, and very effective. It's always hard writing that response. Once it's sent, you feel so good mm. um, and it generally comes back with a good answer. Yeah. As mm. like a, hmm, that's understandable. Mm. I thought I'd just ask. Because yeah. um, I guarantee the other person has not put as much effort into the uh, to the question or the offering as you're putting into a response. Because they're just going, oh, kind of sounds like Joe might um, want to hang out or something. Hey, do you want to hang out? And then we go, oh, my God. How, <laughs> how, so do, I, how do I possibly <laughs> answer this question? Um, <laughs> whereas they're like, oh, well, <laughs> Joe said no. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Mm. And it would have been fine. What about um, like hugging your clients at work? 
How do you hugging clients feel at about work? That? I've hugged clients at work. Yep. Is I, there different situations? Definitely. Where it's good and then when it's bad? Um, <laughs> lots of like middle-aged women. <laughs> Is that good or bad? <laughs> I don't know. They just, they just seem to have been the most huggy kind of people. Like maybe they've been away for, for three months um, and they come back. They're like, oh, it's so good to see you. And I go, ah, and they put their, their hands out to <laughs> hug. I go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're my mum's age. Or like, um, I don't know, some clients are like, oh, when you, uh, it's happened a couple of times, like discharging after like a, like a really, like a really good yeah. treatment journey. And they, they just want to hug. And sometimes they ask. And so I was like, can I have a hug? And then I go, hmm, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes you do have to think. Mm. I do, yeah, think. Uh, yeah. I like it when they ask. That was yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Think about it. It's like, yeah. thank you. I, I really respect that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The other times mm. when it's happened is the classic one of like a uh, younger client with an intellectual disability um, uh, comes up and, and hugs you. And you go, oh, hug. Okay. Yep. Hold on. We don't, you know. Mm. I don't really... Yeah. We have a couple of huggers in the clinic at the moment. Mm. <laughs> we do. Um, and we're, we're in a stage of... We're practicing. It's like, oh, wait, hold up. Got to ask permission mm. before you hug anyone or touch anyone else. Ask permission first. And then they say, can I have a hug? And I go, not right now. Thank you for asking though. Yeah. Or what about a high five? Or yeah. what about mm. a fist bump? Yeah. And some other option. Redirect to something more appropriate yeah yeah it definitely works mm. like i've noticed with those clients that they are learning mm. yeah and absolutely they're not just running up to you and throwing themselves at you exactly. which can be a bit scary and sometimes yeah. a little bit dangerous for them <laughs> mm. elbow to the jaw <laughs> that's <laughs> my first <laughs> reaction <laughs> bit of a startle reflex <laughs> yeah yeah so there's definitely a bit of that so yes definitely helpful to redirect to something helpful because they are learning and it can be a positive thing to help them learn all right, I'm going to hold it right there for part one of our episode with Joe. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be moving topics to a little bit of a different one, more talking about managing uh, challenging behaviors with our neurodiverse, neurodivergent population. So tune in for that one. See ya.